I'm Anna. And I'm Bethany and we're trying to review every Jane Austen adaptation ever. This is Austen Translation. So I'm a big Austen fan and I've read the books. I love a good period drama in general but I am a particular fan of Austen and her work. And this year I've set myself the challenge of trying to watch every Austen adaptation ever and I've managed to persuade Anna to come along for the ride. And I'm an Austen novice. I listened to the audiobook of Pride and Prejudice when I was a kid. I've seen the two main adaptations of that. I accidentally saw Emma because Parasite was booked out, but I was actually quite into it. This week we watched Mansfield Park, the 1983 miniseries. We didn't realise it was a miniseries. No, we didn't. When we committed to it, we had no idea. And we might not have done if we had known. <laughs> but at least it's out of the way now. Yeah, we've done it. Be- we've done our first miniseries. We know what it's like. It was intense. It was a journey. <laughs> it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. When I first started it, I was like, oh no. Yeah. What have we done? Also, because Bethany's been setting us taskmaster tasks, us and our friends. So <laughs> Bethany set like five different taskmaster tasks and then was like, oh, by the way, we need to watch a six hour mini series as well for the podcast. <laughs> and we all had our own life things going on as well. So it was because obviously we don't get any money for this. So <laughs> truly. Really busy weekend of of binging the 1983 Mansfield Park because and I don't think anyone's done that in their no, life. And let me tell you, spoiler alert: it's terrible. We finally found a terrible one. Yes, that is true. It is terrible, and I don't even know where to start. Well, because it's six episodes, we're going to do this one in a two parter because we just think it's too much for you all in one go. <laughs> I don't know how you'll last. So um, we'll split this up and we'll go through the first three episodes this week and then next week you'll get episodes four, five and six. Such suspense. What's going to (laughs) happen? I hope you're okay with that because by the time this goes out, there's no going back. So (laughs) it's happened. Right. So, yeah, episode one we see, which I was shocked about because I didn't, I kind of, No, I didn't actually really know too much, but I knew about Fanny Price and I wasn't expecting a 10-year-old girl for us to be introduced to. Yeah, but then it kind of often is like a bit of a thing where, I don't know if this is a Jane Austen thing or not, but where you see like a child in a carriage being dropped off somewhere. Yeah, true, true. It kind of like a a short backstory. This one we get a bit bit of a longer backstory, but I think that is key to the book. So it kind of starts off with a ten-year-old Fanny Price, our um, our heroine for this for this Fanny. film. Still going to be funny at the end. You still laughed at it yeah. every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially the way the actors say it. <laughs> Fanny. <laughs> anyway. Um. So yeah, she's so. So she's from a poor family, just to to clarify, like. Yeah, and her aunt, yeah, and her aunt, Mr. Norris, who's married to a vicar on a parsonage on Mansfield Park, has arranged for her to kind of like adopt one of 
one of her sister's children to help her out. But she doesn't plan on actually having Fanny live with her. So Mrs. Norris's sister, um, who I'm guessing is also, yeah, is also Fanny's aunt. But like there's yeah. two aunts here, Mrs. Norris. Um, and then there's uh, Lady Bertram, who is uh, also Fanny's aunt. Uh, and she lives in Mansfield Park, which is a massive house, and she's married to Sir Thomas Bertram. So she's got a lovely life. Mrs. Norris basically just squats with them and just is a busybody. Um, and so she's like, oh, yeah, we should, because um, she's she's always just trying to do, re- like, to lord over her moral high ground. So she's like, oh, yeah, I think we should adopt um, Fanny and and take her in. Um, and then we can, like, you know, we can improve her and give her all the, like, advantages of Mansfield Park. But then it gets to it. And, and Lord and Lady Bertram are like, okay, yeah. so um, she's going to stay with you, yeah? And she's like, no, I never said that. <laughs> the day they're going to collect Fanny, Mrs. Price is like, oh, yeah, so um, where will she stay with the servants? And Lord and uh, Sir Bertram and Lady Bertram are like, what? She's, what? This was your idea. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are we having this kid with us? So, yeah, it's, I think, also a classic setup of what Mrs. Norris it's, is yeah, like for the, the rest perfect, of like, the start as we mean to go on. Yeah, so she's just taking it upon herself for her sister and her husband to adopt one of their other sister's children. And also, Mrs. Norris, just have to say, name of Filtry's cat in Harry Potter. That's all I can think about. I was thinking, do you reckon the inspiration for Mrs. Norris' cat was... Kind of love that. ...was this Mrs. Norris, because very similar personalities, is it not? (laughs) Judgy. Yeah, just skulking around where she's not supposed to be. No one wants her there. She gets killed. I wish she got killed. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, killed. (laughs) <laughs> more kind of austin but with that she's been hung by her ankles this is dark. i'm sorry i never promised this would be a family-friendly podcast <laughs> i have to click explicit every single time <laughs> oh god that is straight in i'm leaving that in <laughs> yeah no so and then like Fanny comes along, right? She's in the she's in the carriage with Mrs. Norris, and Mrs. Norris is just like, "Remember, you're not as good as this family. You are dirt, and you have to remember that you are dirt." Yeah, and that is literally any time. So, like Fanny is a pretty quiet child or adult, anyway. So she's not really she's offering many opinions. Weird. She's weirdly reserved. <laughs> yeah she's weirdly reserved and very much happy to live her life in servitude but anytime she like she doesn't even go against things but Mrs Norris will be like looking for any excuse to like tell her off basically yeah and then there's an incident when she first arrives and she's being introduced to the cousins because there's four cousins that live there at this point in time you have Thomas Jr., I refer to him, but he's just called Tom in the um, in the film. Then you have Edmund, who's the second son, and then you have the two daughters, Mariah and yeah. Julia. So she's introduced to them when she first comes in, and Lady Bertram, who has her pug, called Pug. And then, so, <laughs> Fanny sits down in the living room with them, right? And she's next to Lady Bertram. She's offered, like, a cake or something. <laughs> 
and she she just stares at this cake like she doesn't want to eat this cake at all and i'm like you're a child you've been given a cake what is your problem anyway and so and then and then the pug somehow gets spooked by the cake and then uh, lady bertram's like oh no my poor pug i hope she won't bully the pug this whole thing it's like she did nothing but stare at a biscuit i don't understand how this has happened yeah and then they just send her away for the pug to yeah. recover and you're like what is happening the star of this story really it's in every scene and then like mrs norris is like oh no you've disappointed me already yeah, and then and then it cuts to mariah and julia young mariah and julia going like she doesn't even know the difference between watercolors and crayons <laughs> yeah they're very so yeah like the mrs norris is like actively cruel to fanny and just constantly putting her down but the cousins aren't actively cruel i think they're just a bit snobby yeah, well, they're just young rich children they're just like and mrs norris is encouraging them yeah and as they get older i think it continues as well a little bit but maybe not as bad and maybe yeah. not as oblivious as they were when they were yeah. children you don't really see much of tom jr at this point but you do see that like because i don't think fanny was really kind of consulted on whether on moving to Mansfield Park so she's clearly like this 10 year old kid and she's upset and nobody seems to give a shit so so she's then crying and hiding in a and then Edmund comes over and he's like are you all right dear cousin um let's go for a walk what would make you feel better um and then he suggests that she writes mm-hmm. to her brother William who she's very fond of, mm. and, and this is the beginning of a whole every almost every episode. Hence, um, she begins by writing a letter to William. Yeah, the the book is kind of, or the film is kind of told through these letters a little bit. Like I didn't realize how many letters are kind of narrating yeah, what's going a on. Update, isn't it? From her. Yeah. So whenever, like, and also I suppose. A lot of the incidents that occur, they, like Fanny may, have, Fanny may have heard them secondhand, so she's kind of telling them through this yeah. letter, and then we see it kind of visualised on the screen. It ends with uh, young Edmund reading something to young Fanny, right, in the schoolroom, and then it cuts, it, it does a like, ooh, like, uh, what's it called, a fade out, into older Edmund and it's like oh oh <laughs> I was like I don't know I mean we'll get into the uh the appearance of the older characters later but that was not what I was expecting somehow yeah no I'm with you and we can talk about it now because I think we should just talk about it throughout but the chins the, there's strong chins, in strong this. chins <laughs> I don't know why but both the actor uh for Fanny and Edmund who is um what's his face um Nicholas Fennell oh my god is it Nicholas yeah. Fennell for some reason I thought I thought of Nicholas Flamel. I know everything's Harry Potter related here but yeah so there's Nicholas Fennell like young Nicholas Fennell and I mean I'm not saying he's ugly I'm just saying he's got a very particular like face which is it kind of slopes outwards from the top. <laughs> I 
also like it is the style that the man's had to be dressed in and yeah, his he's hair. Yeah, got, got his hair in a little ponytail. Um, also, like I don't know if it's the like is he wearing stage makeup or something because I feel like he's very orange and kind of shiny. Yeah, he could have been, and like Fanny is robotic Fanny, and. She's just so, she's literally like the physical manifestation of the phrase, a lemon. She's just sitting <laughs> like a lemon. Usually, usually in every scene, people are like talking about Fanny and she's sitting there just sewing like a lemon. Yeah. We were writing notes while we were watching it. At one point, I just wrote, it would be really great if people stopped talking for Fanny and just asked her. But then she would just, she would just be like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, so like Edmund kind of points it out because I think like it's later on in the series, but there's like a point where they're like, why don't we ask Fanny what she wants? Like Lady Bertram says it. And Edmund's like, you know Fanny will just do yeah. what you want. So there's no point in asking her. So yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't really have a mind of her own. So that kind of like we we don't really see her grown up much in the first episode. It's kind of just setting the oh, scene. Oh yeah, and we also find rest. out that Edmund, because he's his second son, is going to become a vicar. There's always a vicar. You know yes, that he is going to end true. up with Fanny because he's a vicar, and because he's nice to her. So yeah, of course. We it's already set the scene. This is what's going to happen. The vicar is already there. The vicar is already placed. And actually, in this one, there's multiple vicars. There's about three vicars that turn up in this thing because Mrs. Norris's husband is the vicar. Then Edmund is a yeah. future vicar, and they talk, talk. You know, this is like they talk about him being ordained and stuff. Um, but then Mrs. Norris's husband, and this is episode two, I think. Yeah. So we go into episode two, and everyone's grown up, and you kind of see the scene and one key part of the scene is Henry uh not Henry Crawford sorry um Tom Bertram Jr um has lost him a lot of money I think he's done something that has meant that um Edmund can't take over his parsonage straight away so so, so Thomas has him gets him in for a combo a father-son combo and he's basically (laughs) like you have been really irresponsible with money and that means that like Edmund's not going to be able to be ordained as soon as we would have liked um and so that maybe they need the rent on the on the parsonage or something like they need someone to take it over yeah, for a and, bit and, and so like Edmund's lost half of his fortune because of Tom's uh, indiscretions and then so and that introduces the new vicar to come in because Mrs. Norris's husband, the old vicar, has died. So there's a new vicar coming in yeah. called Dr. Grant. Um, and then Sir mm. Thomas says, we've also got some other problems in Antigua because all of our money comes from the plantations in Antigua. So yeah. he's a slave owner. Um, yeah. Is it ever... Is there any opinions given on the fact that he's a slave owner? Because I can't I mean, remember any. It might be in the book, yeah. but I, this is the first I've ever. Yeah, so I don't think so. It's just like a fact of life. Well, Nobody offers slaves, any. But they say plantation in Antigua, so we all know what that means. Yeah, but I think that might have been a film choice because this was obviously made in the 80s, and I think they probably 
wanted people to like it, so they just hid that part as much as they could. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, so yeah, so they they both go off to Antigua, do they, or is it just? No, just Sir. So Sir Thomas goes off to Antigua to sort out his plantation, oh, yeah. and I think Thomas Senior goes to London. For London, oh yeah, Thomas Jr. goes to London for London things, and we get Dr. Grant and Mrs. Grant, and along with those, we get Mrs. Grant's half-siblings, they make it very clear that they're half-siblings, and I don't know why, um, and it's Mary and Henry Crawford, yeah. so they come in, and at this point, Mrs. Price now has nothing to keep her busy, so she's just always in Mansfield work. I don't, I think she's Not moved Mrs. in. Price. Maybe what, she. Mrs. Norris. Yeah, Mrs. Norris. Sorry, I don't know what I called her, Mrs. Price, all the way through, and I have no idea why. And then when I was writing our little um, synopsis, I was like, her name's Mrs. Norris. Why have I done that? Yeah, well, Mrs. But, Norris is Fanny's mum, who comes up later. Yeah, it's because there is. Quite, I think this one has the there most characters. characters, and I know this because I was trying to like decide all of her star signs, but um. I'm excited. Well, oh, you might have to wait until next week. I'm going to wait until um the second part, so you have to listen to both parts. Mm Mhm. In order to get the most important information, which star sign is Sir Thomas Bertram? (laughs) Honestly, also one thing I think should be pointed out is so Mrs. Norris is actively cruel to Fanny. The cousins are somewhat like snobby. Lady Bertram, at this point... Oh, she's so weird. We haven't even addressed how weird she is. Well, yeah. She is absolutely... She has a voice like Moaning Myrtle, but, like, more weird yeah. and creepy. Oh, my poor pug. Oh. Yeah, it's, like, really... She kind of acts like a baby. Yeah, she's extremely, like... she. All she does is, like, lie on the sofa and act really helpless with her pug um, and then get Fanny to do stuff for her and occasionally she does some sewing. Yeah, and and like if Fanny has to go do something, Lady Bertram's like, oh no, how will I Fanny? Can I do without her? And at one point, I don't know if it's this episode or the next episode, but she gets invited for a meal with Dr and Mrs Grant, like Mary Crawford invites her. And she's like, oh, I couldn't go because Lady Bertram wouldn't be able to do without me. And Edwin basically was like, no, no, you'll go. I'll sort it out. And they're like, oh, but but can she go? I'm not sure if I'll survive. And they're all just like, all the men are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this episode because Sir Thomas hasn't left for Antigua yet, I don't think. So he's just like, well, I'll be here. No, I think it's when he comes back and from Mrs. Antigua, isn't it? Or not? Oh, maybe it is. Oh, it's not like no, a key but, part of the uh, plot. So, but it, like, just to set up this thing about um, Edmund as well, because we haven't really mentioned this, is that Edmund is like advocating for Fanny the whole time, because the family would very yeah. happily just like let her be this servant who has like is totally unequal to any of the members of the family and doesn't get to do any of the nice things that they do, and then Edmund it is like. Fanny, do you ride today? <laughs> and then <laughs> oh, <it's a> horse. <laughs> and he means a horse. And then he's like, uh and, and she's like, No, I can't because there's only one one horse or something. Um or like a 
There was a horse that she used and it died and they never the bothered giving her dead. another. No, is the old grey pony dead in this one? I thought she was she was riding yeah. the old grey pony. Yeah, and then it just died. Important point here, the old grey pony died. We heard this in the letter. Uh, you said there was going to be a murder. And this was it. Maybe this was it. Who did it? This is, this <laughs> is, is the not. rest of the story. <laughs> is a whodunit of who killed the old grey pony. As a twist, <laughs> do you know that? He's so good. <laughs> Maybe this is a a space for us to do some fan fiction. That's all I'm saying. Oh my god, <laughs> it would be so good. But um, yeah. So the old grey pony dies, and she doesn't. They don't really think about how Fanny now doesn't have a horse well, to ride, which would be quite never, important. She never really time. had much opportunity to ride the horse in the first place. But anyway, Edmund's like. Um, no, well, I am the man of the house now because Sir Thomas has gone away and I think Fanny should get a horse. And Mrs. Norris and Lady Bertram are like, ooh, I don't know if you should do that considering that, you know, you, there's money problems and, and, and Sir Thomas is away. And Edmund's like, okay, well, what if I swap one of my horses for a horse for Fanny? And then, like, that's how you're like, oh, okay, so this is why... They're so, like, because they're really, really close. And he's always doing really nice things for her all the time. So obviously Fanny's, like, going to be in love with him. Yeah, and also, at this point, Mrs Norris is like, but why would Fanny need a horse? She's just a poor girl. Like, any time something good happens to Fanny, just imagine Mrs Norris. She's just a poor girl from a poor family. <laughs> now, just imagine her doing that in the background. Every time something good happens, then we won't have to mention it. <laughs> I will just play that clip. <laughs> yeah, so also, one thing I want to point out about Edmund. So he's got uh, this horse. He swapped, he's got like several horses and he swapped one for a slightly smaller one for Fanny so that she can ride it. And then I want to point this out because this is a theme. Mary Crawford doesn't have a horse. She's staying with um, Mrs Grant and Dr Grant. So... When she wants to ride a horse, Edmund just offers Fanny's horse up for her. And this is a theme throughout where Edmund will try and do something nice for Fanny or that he, he will take a stance with Fanny and then Mary Crawford will want something. And she comes first. And he's, he's like, oh, but Fanny, you're so nice. You obviously give this to Mary Crawford. And he also talks... Yeah. So, like, we haven't really introduced the Crawfords much, but they, the Crawfords are rich right um they're like and also quite like good looking um and the, we we like cut to them in the vicarage talking about how like they they've come and they're thinking about who they might want to um you know romance while they're here and and you hear that henry is a rake he's just sort of like oh loads of women love him and he might want um i think i think it's established that um, at this point, Mariah has got like an understanding mm -hmm. with um, Mr. Rushford, who is this. Um, he's a rich, he's a rich man, but he's like a bit silly. Um, he's not very attractive, so but it's like obviously a marriage of of um, convenience. Um, and so Henry's like, well, I guess I can't seduce Mariah, um, so I guess I'll go for Julia. Um, and then Mary Crawford's like, ooh, I maybe I'll try and get Tom. She talks about getting Tom and then but then she goes for Edmund the whole time because Tom's away. Yeah, so they're kind of so they're they're these these rich adults 
and they're very much so Henry I don't think he's looking for marriage definitely not at this point he just kind of sees it as a conquest doesn't he he's like oh which which family member can I get where where I think Mary's much more like which one can I set a future up with and obviously like you said she wants to go for Tom but he's not here he's in London so she's like oh I'll see about Edmund and they're very much kind of heartless about it motivated by money and just like uh their own kind of amusement rather than actually anything to do with love yeah and obviously Mariah has this agreement with Mr Rushworth who is around at this point so he's obviously staying somewhere or lives nearby can't remember and I think they're showing some people like are they showing everyone around yeah so so this is a great bit because they go to Mr Rushford's like family home with his mum there and she takes them of a tour of the house and so like she'll whisper something like this painting was done in like 1892 or well it wouldn't be 1892 it'd be like 1712 and then he would just be behind like they're all going around as if it's like a museum tour and then Mr Rushford is just like whispering to Mariah Rushford Worth can't say words um Mr Rushworth is just whispering to Mariah made in 1712 and everything she says he just whispers it (laughs) Yeah, and he's clearly, like, embarrassing. Like, Mariah is embarrassed by what's happening. Her and her and Henry have a flirtation at this point. Like, they're not really hiding it. Mr. Rushworth is just a bit dim. Yeah. So he's not picking up on it. But they, they definitely, like, she's she's embarrassed. And she kind of tells him off a little bit as just well. Like, oh, God. Like, she's clearly not happy. And then... They go on a walk around the grounds, right? And they get to this gate and the gate is locked. And Mariah's like, oh, well, you said that we would go through this gate. And he's like, oh, well, I forgot the key. And Mariah's like, oh, well, you better go get the key then. So he like, he's like, fine. And he, he runs off to get the key because he obviously wants to like keep in their good books. Um, and then he, while he's gone, Mariah and Henry... Uh, Henry convinces Mariah that she can squeeze through the gate and they'll go ahead. Yeah. So they run off. He comes, Mr. Rushworth comes back and is like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And Fanny yeah. is left there because, oh, Juliet, after Henry and um, Mariah go, uh, Julia comes back. She's mad that they've gone ahead without her. She goes through the hole in the gate as well. And Fanny's just sitting there like, uh. Because that, um, Edmund, Fanny and Mary had reached the gate before, then, I don't know, Fanny gets tired or something? She just, she just wants to sit down. And so Edmund's like, okay, you sit there. I will walk back with Mary and come back yeah. to you in a bit. And it's just like, this is another classic thing where Edmund kind of has the pretense of wanting to look after Fanny, but then he gets some time alone yeah, with Mary. He's, so he's, he's trying to get that, that, that cross. Yeah, they all have the horns for the wrong people in yeah. this. Because Mary isn't totally into Edmund, like she's flirting with him because she thinks it's fun, but she's she's kind of and at this point this is when she slags off the church yeah. as well. Yeah. And all the clergymen and like how she would never marry so she a clergyman. Doesn't know that Edmund's going to be a clergyman and then he's like mm. Yeah, and then like ten minutes later she finds out and she's like, Oh <laughs> Um 
But she's she's made it very clear at this point. So obviously, like we know that Mary's got no long term game with Edmund. Edmund's clearly in love with Mary. Fanny's clearly in love with Edmund. Mister Rushworth is in love with Mariah. Mariah fancies Tom. Julia fancies Tom. Not Tom. Sorry, I keep saying that. (laughs) Mariah fancies Henry, and so does Julia. Yeah, they're kind of competing, and Julia is particularly annoyed because obviously Mariah has Mr. Rushworth, so she's like to be the more attractive of the two. Yeah, and she's played by Samantha Bond, who played Miss Moneypenny in James Bond, and Rosamond in Downton Abbey. If that's more for <laughs> more than your, I feel like our listeners are more likely to know that. <laughs> yeah, and also what is weird is I've only ever known her as an older actress never seen her young and I was like she looked no different she's got a very distinctive <laughs> voice as well I think she used to narrate one of the audio yeah. books I used to listen to that's what I recognized first it was her voice and I was like I know that voice why do I know that voice and then I looked it up I didn't recognize her face straight away but then I was like yeah but that's because I'm face blind so would never have guessed but yes yeah, we're all kind of in love with the wrong people which is like a classic because they're all like what I think Fanny's seventeen a at this point. Love and Henry is kind of loving playing Julia and Mariah off each other. Definitely, yeah. he's kind of just flirts with whoever he thinks is most convenient at the time. Yeah. Also, this is the thing. This is what I want to kind of make clear. I don't like Edmund as the love interest. No, I mean A is not attractive. He's just not. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe it's your thing. Maybe, maybe it's no. Your thing, but like, no, for me, no. No, and none of them. Though, not even Henry Crawford. No, I mean, and, and this is the thing. This is like part of the reason that I can't get invested in the characters. And it's not about like their looks, even though I've said that I don't find Henry attractive. I mean, not Henry, but um, Edmund. Like they just aren't charismatic, really. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like actually the Crawfords are quite charismatic. But, like, Edmund is supposed to be, like, this really, like, dreamy figure because he's so kind and stuff. But actually, it just makes me feel kind of creeped out by him. Yeah. It's it's not done in a kind of caring way. It's much more patronising and much more like she's a child that can't stand up for herself, which is a bit true, but... it's, It's not a kind of equal partnership that I suppose in modern day that's what you yeah. look for. So it might have been different in Austin times when that would have been something that women might have been looking for, someone to look mm. after them. But in this modern day, obviously, that's not something that we, a lot of women don't want. They want an equal partnership if they're with a man. And yeah, so I just, I'm not, and what hurts is so like, Edmund isn't a particularly bad actor and obviously Mariah is Samantha. Bond, yeah. did you say? So she's really good. Like a lot of them are really good actors, and just no harm to Fanny Price. God, but no, it's awful. It's it's awful. also I looked her up. And she's she's been acting the whole of her life because she's in her movies now. Yeah, no, like there's a bit when with Mister Rushworth when when like everyone's run off with Henry and she's alone and she's just talking to herself and she's just like, that was very wrong. That was so wrong. And she's just like, talking to herself. And she does this thing with her eyes when she's 
she's like distressed or uncomfortable or happy or excited, whatever the emotion is, her eyes just dart around like yeah. crazy, but her body doesn't yeah, move. Yeah, she's really like frozen, kind of stiff posture. It's very weird. I mean, you have to watch it to really understand, but like, oh, it's it's extremely odd. Like she is just like so so socially awkward like she just doesn't know what to do with herself but not in a way where she's like saying anything she's just she's just like trying to make as little noise as possible (laughs) yeah and I'm like I don't think this is the way it's supposed to be acted but you kind of get the sense that she's just so uncomfortable in her own skin and just wants to disappear And I don't know if that is the character of Fanny Price. I mean, to be or... fair, like, her entire, for the last, like, ten years, Mrs. Norris has just been like, you are not the same as everyone else, don't take up too much space, you are, like, a, a lowly, you know, poor person. What would you call that, that kind of, like, demeaning abuse? Because it is kind of, like, Mrs. Price takes not Mrs. Price, sorry. Mrs. Norris takes any opportunity to do that. So it's kind well, of like... I was like... about coercive control the other day. And it's a little bit like that because she's constantly like... She's essentially just like... She gaslights her. She's like constantly like switching on her. She'll like do one thing and that will be wrong. She'll do another thing that will be wrong. She's like... You know, it, it's like pretty bad kind of caretaker abuse but because she's kind of like within a power structure wherein Mrs Norris doesn't have that much power either ultimately I mean she she does yeah. she doesn't um but like Mrs Norris gets kind of um told off or like not told off but she gets kind of um put in her, her place, place as by, well but by the Lord and Lady Bertram well, mainly um, Lord Bertram and Edmund. Lady Bertram doesn't really no, do much. Like, she's kind of, a, kind of like an enabler. She just kind of lets it happen around her. So, yeah, that's kind of episode two, really. An important thing to do is say if if Fanny's doing something because another family member has asked her to, Mrs Norris will still try and make out that... Fanny's being like insolent. Yeah, if she does anything, like she was, she was like lying on the sofa because she was ill, and um, and Mrs. Norris is like, ah, oh, such folly to be relaxing on a sofa. Like, what kind of lazy person are you? Um, and then Edmund gets very concerned about her. But um, yeah, it's kind of something that she does throughout, isn't it? It's like a um. Oh, also, like, I just wanted to mention about Miss Crawford, that she is always dressed in red. She's always got some kind of red accessory on, just to show that she's a slut. (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of, yeah, she's seen as a floozy almost, isn't she? But her her and Henry are very much the kind of, they've come to corrupt Mansfield Park. They're like the bad kids coming in. And they're so rich, it doesn't matter. Oh, but yeah, th- this is the bit that I was talking about, and this is episode two. Um, Mrs. Norris, Fanny's on the sofa, like, lying down, which is very unusual for Fanny to be, like, seen reclining or in any kind of comfort. Um, she's sort of hidden away. Anyway, and Mrs. Norris goes, what a foolish trick to be idling upon a sofa. Um, and then Edmund's <laughs> like, what? what is going on with Fanny? Like, why is she on the sofa? Are you okay, Fanny? Um, 
And then he finds out that Fanny had to travel to Mrs. Norris's house twice, two whole times, because Mrs. Norris forgot to get something or something. And so then Fanny gets a headache. Edmund is extremely distressed that Fanny has a headache. Um, and he sends her off to bed. She's like ends up kind of sort of swooning, I guess, a little bit. Um, and then they are just all discussing how Fan like Mrs. Norris is is being too demanding of Fanny. Um, and Lady Bertram's like, Yes, I was outside with her and even calling for Pug from the um the flower beds was too much for me or something. Yeah, because she loses the pug for a second and then Fanny has to go look for it because she yeah. can't carry on looking for it. Mrs. Norris just, she kind of wants to to work to earn her keep. Like, if she's not working, useful, she's like, well... Wow. constant thing of, like, usefulness. And also, I just want to point out, like, this is going to sound really mean. I don't mean it to be petty or bitchy, but... From my understanding, what what Fanny Price is supposed to be is like when she grows up, she turns mm. into this beauty, and she's like this shy, reserved, beautiful woman, and that's a key part of it because I think a key part of the resentment from the other people mm. is the fact that she's so pretty, and that was my understanding of the book. Like I didn't know much about the actual plot, but I did know. But yes, yeah, no, and she doesn't, she isn't striking, like, they make, they make her quite sort of plain. Yeah, and, well, I'm not even saying this is against the actress necessarily, because I think that you could have made her more striking with makeup and hair and everything, but they definitely make out, like, Mary Crawford and Mariah are more attractive. And you get that sense throughout, and I suppose maybe because both of those two women own their sexuality. So maybe that's why they come across as more attractive. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of make that point that they kind of failed. This is the thing. I feel like these characters, you can tell that there's a basis in them, which is interesting and then makes you want to like them because Jane is a great storyteller. But you're just like, this is not bringing it for me. I do not care about these characters because just the way they're portrayed is not, it's not compelling to me. Yeah. There's very much a distinct lack of chemistry, definitely between Edmund and Fanny and Mariah, but actually I do think they've got a little bit. That's kind of fair enough. I think Mariah and Henry does a pretty good job of being this kind of, I mean, I mean, and I say that like comparatively speaking, because nobody's doing a very good job, like... And I don't think it's necessarily their fault. Like, obviously, this was a script yeah, that's been actually, adapted. Yeah, but actually, like, I so feel like... there's a lot... They... And I... W- we know that they are all very good actors. Uh, well, I don't know about whatever her name was who plays Fanny. Um, but, like, we know that they're capable of better than this. Um, yeah, that's why I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that it was just poorly done but there's also there's one bit and I can't remember what they're flirting about when they're at that gate and Mary and Edmund are flirting behind mm. Fanny while she sits on the bench and it's the most boring bit of dialogue I have there's but, but three minutes of it in um, novels when they're trying to flirt and it's extremely boring because um, they don't have anything like they can't like joke you know make sexy 
allusions to things. Oh, yeah. They're arguing about like, how long they've I walked. I would say it's a mile. And he's like, no, it's not a mile. And she's like, we have such a smile. And it's just this whole... And they're kind of, she's like smiling cheekily at him. But then that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that like when you're younger and you're like, you fancy someone, you end up like arguing with them about something really stupid. Yeah, but oh yeah, actually true. Because I was thinking like, oh, maybe you can do it, but you can do it better. But then I was like, yeah, when you see teenagers trying to flirt or like tweens as such, which is more likely when that would have happened in modern day, you're like, oh. God, this is horrific. I can't yeah. watch this car crash. <laughs> you just kind of have to walk off because you're like, oh God, I'm yeah. embarrassed. But then it's, in, it's interesting <laughs> because it shows that Edmund is still very un, like unexperienced, inexperienced um, in the kind of like dating world. He doesn't quite know what to do with himself. Also, he's very much, um, his whole character revolves around his supposed morals. And I say suppose because, like I say, he kind of has these kind of strong moral standpoints. But then if one of them, if he has to drop Fanny to get Mary's attention, he will do. So I'm like, he acts like holier than thou. But he's almost just as bad as the rest of them. He's still being led by his penis. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, I think, but I think this is like the point that is sort of trying to be half-heartedly made, which is that like, um, Fanny knows that, like Edmund's true kind of character but but Mary Crawford comes in and sort of compromises his character by sort of tempting him into these uh which which obviously like it is totally up to him and if he just wasn't as you said being led by his penis (laughs) you know he wouldn't he wouldn't be doing that but like he is and that's kind of part I think part of the storyline is that like Fanny's like they talk about this kind of constancy this is later on but I think it's quite like important to the analysis Fanny is like consistent in her morals in her kind of approach to relationships she's just and and also in her love for Edmund and like and then around her all of these characters are flip-flopping about yeah, and it's this. That's the kind of that is Fanny's charm. Supposedly, I think is is a sense of her. She she will be the way she is, and she won't be kind of changed by anything. Yeah, it's true, and I think I suppose part of the story is, is the other characters learning yeah. how important Fanny is to yeah. to the whole dynamic. But yes, we need to so that is we we did talk. <laughs> moving on to episode three and this is when i think in the first two episodes not much really happens although we talked about it for ages but in terms of plot you, you're kind of just being introduced to characters where this one is when they decide to put, put on a play, play. i really couldn't believe this was happening i was like what is going on and we should say, um, so tom jr has returned from london which is one of the instigators and he's brought with his a friend called Yates. I can't remember. Oh, Yates, my old friend. I'm just obsessed with Yates. I'm. I like. I was just sending so many screenshots of Yates because he's got the most incredible hair. 
it's like he's got straight hair that is just like you know kind of flat on his head but then he's got he's got these kind of literal curls like you know how they'll have curls on the side of the wig on the top but it's like a little it's like a little uh pyramid of curls that he's got going on it's really it's bizarre we have to post it on the instagram yeah because you need to see this for yourself and when i was in my notes um I just wrote, right, Yates is super weird like the rest of them. Like, he's so weird. Well, yeah, he comes in. He's just, he's clearly a drama kid. Yeah. He's talking about, he's talking about this play that he was in, but then it got cancelled because someone's grandma died, which was very inconvenient of her. Um, and then, um, yeah, that. So, so then Henry, I don't know if it's Henry or Mary or something that was like, we, well, we should do a play. We should do a play here. And Edmund's like, mm, no, I think that's a bad idea. My father would definitely not approve of that. Um, and there's and and then they just basically like carry on without him. Yeah, um, and also at this point, it's Tom Junior wants Fanny to be involved in the play, and that's when she's like, no, no, I won't compromise my morals. I'm not going to join in this play. And Mrs. Norris jumps on her. And he's like, why are you being so silly? Like, stop. I know. She says something really rude, oh, though, yeah. that makes everyone stop. Oh, I think she was just like, oh, you." she she goes on to this kind of diatribe about how she's, like, stubborn and she's got some kind of, um, like, badness in her or something. There's the... Yeah, and then she's like, you've got to remember yeah. you're not as good as they are. And it's like everyone kind of yeah. stops and is like, well, this is awkward. And also, at this point as well, that's when um, Thomas Jr. is kind of leaning towards her to try and get her to do the play. And as she, as he approaches, she just kind of screams. She just goes, ah! Yeah, and as if, but like, not in a way where she's, she just seems like as if the very idea of the play is going to corrupt her. She, yeah, she's literally so, she's like a little rabbit in headlights, like absolutely. Yeah, and it's just absolutely weird. And she kind of, I I kind of got the impression, and I don't know if this, this is the way it is in the book, but I got the impression she was against the play because Edmund was against no, the play I think and that she wanted. She was, I think, well, there was that, but also I think she knew that that um, Sir, Tom, Sir Thomas would not like it at all. And because she's been so trained to know her place and also to, like, honour the Lord, Lord and Lady Bertram, I think that she was that was part of her thing. And it's a key point. The play they decide to do is called Lovers Vows, which was the play that the that Yates originally was doing, which is why they yeah. decided to do it. But also because it's super racy and they're horny for each other. And um, they just think, yeah, like they've just done it because they've all got the horn for each other. Um, <laughs> and also, it's got things like illegitimate children in it and stuff, which I think goes into it more in the book. But that's like a big reason why Edmund does. It's a good idea as well because, like, the play has controversial topics in it. Yeah, and obviously the like the, the he's particularly concerned for the daughters, particularly Mariah, who is already engaged. Um, yeah, because they obviously like the female roles in this play are quite saucy. Yeah, it's quite a racy play in general, so they're kind of against the whole idea also i'd like to point out so they kind of start practicing the play and at one point someone's doing an irish accent and i was like what is going on here this is 
Oh yeah, no, was it Irish or was it? I thought it was like a West Country accent. I think Tom. Maybe. Kind of West Country. Well, I thought they were trying Irish, and I was like, No, I, I was. I didn't think it was actually that bad of an accent, but. Um, oh well, I expected it to be Irish, so maybe that's why I thought it was bad. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but yeah. Oh, and Mr. Rushworth is also in on this play. So the people that are in on the play is Tom, the two Crawfords. Um, Mariah, Julia, um, and Mr. Rushford, and Yates. But then they also end up... There's, so so there's this whole argument where um, they're trying to pick who, which character is going to be who. And Henry wants Mariah to play the character that is his, his character's mum, who's called Agatha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they want Miss Crawford to play Amelia, and they say that Julia would be Cottage's wife, who is like this really shit part that barely says anything and has like wrinkles and just and Julia's like obviously annoyed about this. Um but then yeah, they ha- they have this whole fight about it and Julia's like, actually, if you're gonna put me in this role or any role other than Agatha, because obviously she wants Agatha because she wants to be near Henry as well, because she fancies Henry. Um she's like, well if you're going to be like this, then I'm not going to be in the play at all. So she leaves. And so that's why they're trying to get Fanny, actually. To, to I be thought it was place. Mrs. Grant. I don't know where I got that idea. Well, they got Mrs. Grant later on because Fanny refused. So that's what that's where, like, you see Mary Crawford actually being quite kind to Fanny. Is when this whole thing goes down and they're like, come on, Fanny, join the play. We need you. And then mrs norris says all that that horrible thing about her and then mary's like don't worry about it i'll get mrs grant to play cottage's wife instead yeah yeah that is yeah you're right and then miss mr rushworth is really excited about wearing a blue dress and a pink satin cloak and also having two and 40 speeches he's very very excited about the two and 40 speeches yes he knows how important he is Um, also this is where some proper drama happens because this is where, when they're... Oh, I just want to point out that on my notes when I'm writing about the play, I just wrote, this is some posh people shit. Because I was like, what is this? Like, this is such, like, a posh people thing to do. Because they go... They go. They ha- literally build a whole... They build a theatre in their house. Yeah, and it's got, like, they're getting their, like, woodwork man to build the set, and they're painting it, and they're getting the curtains and everything. And while they're rehearsing, this is when we see Henry and Mariah kiss. Yeah, in the in and only Fanny sees it, because uh, they're, like, backstage rehearsing their lines, and then they start making out, and Fanny's like, oh! Um... But then also around the same time, mm-hmm. the, um, Mary Crawford, who's going to play um, Amelia, um, is like, who's going to be my Anholt, which is her love interest, right? Who is also a vicar. The character Anholt is a mm-hmm. vicar. And she's like, and all of the boys are like, well, I'm playing this and I'm playing this and none of them are going to be Anholt. And she's like, oh, it's such a shame that we don't have an Anholt, Edmund. Maybe you should be an anhole. And he's like, yeah. no, I'm not going to do it. No. And she kind of guilts him into it because she's like, well, someone's going to have to play. Yeah, she's like, well, if you don't, then we're going to have to ask someone else outside of the group, essentially. Like, we'll ask someone from the town or whatever. And he's like, no, because A, that means that they all get to be near Mary. And also, um, 
because then other people outside of the group will find out about their uh, salacious play. Um, so he's like, well, and he goes, <laughs> he literally goes and consults uh, Fanny. Like he goes in and he's like, where he's like, I know I said that we really shouldn't join the play at all, but Mary really wants me to. So, um... so you need to tell me it's okay because the whole time also, like. Fanny is clearly in love with him and the whole time he's like he only goes and talks to Fanny about the fact that he fancies Mary and he's like oh oh what do you think about Mary oh she's like he's just constantly talking about Mary and Fanny's like yeah cool yeah yeah Yeah. he's like you're the only one I can talk to about this so then he goes the play right and he's enjoying the play and he, he goes to Fanny he's like you have to give me your approval I'll be really sad if you don't approve me doing this thing that's totally against my morals and also yours um, yeah and also like he's kind of it was those two against the rest of them it's really quite manipulative he's like quite manipulative at times yeah so they, they they'd kind of formed an alliance against the play and he's kind of gone back on it which makes Fanny look like a square yeah so because he it was those two that were against the play they were like oh no it's not very like good for our morals or whatever and then he's just hung her out to dry because he's got the horn for mary and he doesn't want anyone else playing her love interest and i was like oh for god's sake that is like that's one of the key reasons why i dislike him because yeah he just does fanny over quite a lot yeah he 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 just flips and flops. Yeah, and she's so infatuated with him that she doesn't really care. So Well, she cares, but she's just like, because she's been so trained to be subservient and never talk about what she wants or, like, to assert her, you know, what what she thinks, she's just like, well, this is, uh, I'm just, this is my life and this is what my destiny is to just constantly be fucked over by... Yeah. So there's a scene where um, Miss Crawford, Mary Crawford, goes to Fanny and she's like, hey, could you rehearse these lines with me? These lines between me and the man that you love um, <laughs> in a romantic scene. Oh, could you yeah. re- rehearse these with me? And then, and then Edmund turns up and he was like, oh, I was going to do the same. I was going to ask Fanny to rehearse with me for that scene. And then she has to sit. <laughs> and read lines for them like she sits there while they rehearse the scene and she's like holding the the book just to like to give them prompts and it's just like literally the most horrifying (laughs) she's just like oh god like the worst thing that could have happened and like and then and then it it like improves their connection because like oh we were thinking of doing the same thing we're so similar (laughs) and also yeah like they're clearly like this is a huge flirting moment for them yeah and fanny's just like what you said cousin zoned she's cousin zoned she's fucking cousin zoned the entire time like (laughs) (sighs) and um when they're going to kind of do a dress rehearsal so they're going to perform the whole play and they're going to have the aunts come and watch it so it's like a kind of run through yeah and then mrs grant can't make it because the doctor's ill so they kind of are like, well, Fanny knows all the lines. It's last minute. Fanny, you're just going to have to do it. And even Edmund's a bit like, come on, Fanny, you're just going to have to do it. And she, I think she does say yes. But as she says yes, it gets announced that Sir Tom is back. Yeah. So 
so Thomas is back and um, Julia's like, <laughs> well, I'm not in the play, so I'm fine. Uh, and yeah, so this is the beginning of episode four. So we kind of find out that Sir Tom is back at the end of episode three. Mm-hmm. And then we go on, because the episodes do very much, they're kind of designed to watch immediately after each other because they immediately start where the last one left off most of the time. Yeah. So they are designed for binging, if that's your thing. <laughs> so, 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 like, Sir Thomas comes back, obviously, and, um, oh, oh, yeah, there's a really funny scene just before the end of the play. But there's the scene with Yates where he comes in. Oh, yes. They yes. haven't told him. He comes in and they don't. Yeah, so, so, so the, the Crawfords bounce immediately. They're like, okay, <laughs> see ya. And Henry's like, okay, I'm going to Bath. And Mariah's upset that he's gone to Bath. But, um, uh and but like Yates stays and he's still practicing his lines on the stage and they're they're um like Sir Thomas goes into the room where it where he's practicing, which is one of his rooms. I mean the whole house is his house, but I think I think actually the the room adjoins they've used Sir Thomas's room as a green room. Yeah, the library is where they're putting it on as well, which I think is his library. So he went, he goes into the library and Yates doesn't see him and he's just practicing his lines really dramatically. <laughs> and then he's like, Hey, who are you? And Yates is like, Who am I? And he's like, starting to squirt. And then, and then Edmund comes up behind him and is like, Uh, yeah, this is my father, Sir Thomas. And then that's sort of near, that is sort of the end of it. Yeah, yeah, like Sir Thomas puts an immediate end to it and yeah we kind of hear that Henry and Mary have gone off to Bath because they they leave the house immediately but then they kind of say like oh we're going off now but they know that this is the end of their fun and games yeah well they they left to go back to the parsonage yeah but then they do Henry and um Mary come back later on and they basically pretend like they had nothing to do with the play so they get a bit like so Sir Thomas isn't mad at them because they just managed to get away before they were seen and then so they they like go uh to sort of see Sir Thomas on his return and then Henry's like oh I'm going to Bath and Mariah's like what yeah because that's that's kind of key to their characters I think as well that they're very much individualistic like yeah it's every man for himself so they're not really caring about the um, collateral damage of what they do. Yeah. So yeah, Mariah's upset that they've that Henry's going off, and but that kind of opens up for episode four because that opens with the marriage of Mister Rushworth and Mariah. Like you, you kind of go to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And um, so because I think at the end of episode three, you're not really sure whether Mariah's going to go through with it. Yeah, because she's clearly not into Mr. Rushworth, but um, Henry's clearly not making any moves, so he's like just That's all from us for now. We'll be back next week discussing the second half of the 1983 Mansfield Park miniseries, focusing on episodes 4, 5, and 6. Please don't forget to review it five stars if your app allows and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch, please email us at austintranslationpod at gmail.com or austin underscore translation underscore pod on Instagram. We bid you adieu. Thank you.